Hello, and welcome to the Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis Show, aired every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Kat Cannabis is the international best-selling author of Surviving Cancerland, Intuitive Aspects of Healing, and host of Wicked Housewives on Cape Cod TV Show. Together, we will explore cutting-edge insights and philosophies in health, wealth, and relationships. Cat's guests will be ordinary people with extraordinary stories. Now here is your host, Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. Welcome to the show, everyone. We're so happy you're here. We've been waiting for you all week. And our guest on the show today is photographer Bill Aaron. And he has taken hundreds of amazing pictures of cancer survivors for his book that he's going to be talking about on the show today. And he's going to share some of these amazing stories with us. Bill Aaron's known and widely respected as a photographer for all around the world, and his photographs have been exhibited in major museums and galleries throughout the United States and Israel. And he has also appeared in a wide variety of publications. And his most recent book that we're going to be talking about most of the time today is New Beginnings, The Triumph of 120 Cancer Survivors. And his book is published by Skyhorse Publishing. It was published in 2015. And this book focuses on survivors who did not let their diagnosis prevent them from living their lives to the fullest. And in many cases, the diagnosis served as an impetus to a better life. So that's something I'm really looking forward to talking to Bill about. So let's bring him on. Bill Aaron, welcome to the show. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here, Kat. So, Bill, what what prompted you to write this that you've written or done? Uh, seem to be books about Israel or or um, uh, the uh, that are in Jewish museums or the Jewish faith um, or about Jerusalem. What made you decide to to do a book on cancer? Because you know they don't really go hand in hand all that much. No, they don't. Um, although they're, they're, I, I, you can find an overlap, I assume. But I have used photography, uh, besides for my commercial work, as, as a means of exploring my own life and my own feelings. And and then in 1993, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I it was a long process. Um, from then till about 2006, I was kind of dealing with the cancer, um, which. Uh, was not cured um, by treatment. And in 2006, I had spoken to so many people about their experiences, and they really were incredible stories. Everyone was a standalone story of a remarkable journey people had gone through. And I thought to myself that it would, be, would, it would have been wonderful if that kind of book had existed when I was first diagnosed. When I in 1993 there was only I could I had no access to the internet and there was only medical libraries and of course books in medical libraries always write up the worst case scenarios um, mm-hmm. and there wasn't mm-hmm. much in the popular uh, press about surviving and I wanted to survive and and I thought this to bring these stories to light I thought that it would be uh, 
helpful to other people to be able to read them. And you know what? You're so right. I was diagnosed in 1999 the first time because oh, wow. I'm a three-time breast cancer survivor. Wow. And I could not find any books that didn't scare the jabbers out of me that basically yeah. said, you know, you're not going to be cured. Hopefully you'll be in remission. And I remember thinking, no, no, I want to be cured. I don't want to be in remission and always looking right. over my shoulder. And, right. and I couldn't find any really positive books. So that's when I wrote Surviving Cancerland. So I was so mm-hmm. excited when I found you on LinkedIn and mm-hmm. I started reading about the book that you had written. Now, how did you find these 120 triumphant cancer survivors? Through um, happenstance and through research, I was in a support group, and one of the fellows in the support group mentioned that cancer was the best thing that ever happened to him, and I just thought he was nuts, and I quizzed (laughs) him on it, and and he said, well, you know, if I hadn't gotten cancer, I wouldn't have done this or I wouldn't have done that, and I thought to myself, oh, that's an interesting way to look at it, and I talked to some other people who um, felt the same way. And so I, I used those people to explore the format. Uh, what was I going to do that would make a book uh, that would be meaningful to people? I, we'd get together and we'd have a long interview. Most of the interviews lasted between one and a half and three hours, um, in wow. which there was lots of tears, lots of crying, and some laughing too. Um, but mm-hmm. it was it just filled with the most remarkable of stories. And... I decided that I wanted to uh, skew the book towards people 40 and under. Um, And so I went on the Internet uh, and found this group called Planet Cancer uh, for people 40 and under who are diagnosed with cancer. And I read the bios and followed some of the discussions and wrote. There were email addresses, so I wrote to people that I was interested in and that had interesting stories to tell. Um, I'd say Mm -hmm. about 90% of the people agreed. Um, Also, in the beginning, it was people that I could get to. This is before I raised some money to travel around the country. Uh, And Mm -hmm. then along the way, I became friends with the uh, chief of pediatric oncology, uh, Dr. Leonard Sender, at the Children's Hospital of Orange County. And uh, he... Uh, after speaking with the families, he gave me the names of just some incredible uh, families to go see of younger children. Uh, at that point, and then I had a list of prominent survivors, people who have spoken up, have started organizations, and have uh, really benefited the survivor community in general uh, that I wanted to see. So I, I set about seeking those people out. And after you know, about two years, people began, word of mouth, people began Mm -hmm. writing to me. And I Mm -hmm. still have a folder full of names, which if the publisher had let me, could have gone on uh, indefinitely. But after I had had 120 compiled, she called up and said, or the editor called up and said, uh, I think it's time we brought this book out. Great. So, uh, uh, do you have plans to do a second book? I just got that off of Skype. By the way, Skype is open. And for those of you listening right now, if you'd like to call in with any questions at all for Bill Aaron, give us a call at 
929-1546. And just follow the prompts that you'll hear. Uh, do you have a second book uh, in, the, in the making? Uh, about cancer survivors? I haven't started mm-hmm. it. When the, book, when the book came out, I told the publishers that I would really give it my all in terms of marketing and spreading the word for about a mm-hmm. year. And when that year's mm-hmm. up, then I'll turn my attention. I might expand the idea more towards survival in general uh, mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. find uh, people that the, the, core, the core idea that I came across was that when people confront their mortality and they do it in a very serious way, that changes them. They become different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it doesn't matter whether it's cancer, whether it's a life-threatening accident. Um, I have a friend who was in an accident when he was in college. It was a canoeing accident. And he came out of it and completely changed his life, um, changed schools, changed majors, um, and you know went on to lead a, a wonderful life. So mm-hmm. I may, I may, I'm, I'm interested in that idea of confronting one's um, mm-hmm. mortality and and what that does, because I, I think there are lots of things in life. There's, uh, I think, there's, there's an emotional component to people who have never been married versus people who have been married. Uh, emotional mm-hmm. component to people who have been divorced versus those that haven't, widowed versus those that doesn't. So there are different things that happen to us in life that really change us in fundamental ways. And I'd like to kind of tease out what that's about. You know, I also have a degree in sociology. So, mm-hmm. um, and that inform, even though I earned my living as a photographer, the uh, orientation from sociology um, uh, continues to inform my worldview. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with, with your idea about uh, the, the emotional component with, with confronting your mortality because I think that when we look death in the eye, it changes us. Whether death right. decides then to, to go ahead and take your hand or not, mm-hmm. you're not quite the same. Um, and I would venture to say, you're better because once you look that fear in the face, um, it changes it almost into mm-hmm. a friend. You realize it's it's not it's not a boogeyman. It, it is a friend that comes for everyone. It just comes for everyone at different times. Sure, but nobody Absolutely. lives forever. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, so you see, you yeah. Go ahead. There, there was a woman who told me. Uh, let me just quote from her. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, she said that her senses became more finely attuned by facing her mortality. And she went mm-hmm. on to say, cancer forced me to get to know myself deeply, and it forced a spiritual growth that I had never imagined or expected. When you're looking at yourself in the mirror completely nude, without even a strand of hair on your head, you have no choice but to see the real you. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you're right. I, yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, she said it much better than than I could. I mean, I did mm-hmm. all these people in the book became my teachers. Um, they mm-hmm. uh, the interviews each interview changed me in a different way, um, and in terms of figuring out how I wanted to live the rest of my life and what was important not only to myself but on a more 
global way. Um, I mean, I think irrespective of religion, um, there's an innate good in just about everyone. And sometimes it gets buried. Uh, but I think we all want to do something that do something for good that will um, uh, help us be remembered. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an interesting uh, concept, though. Did you find that with uh, with, with these um, uh, people that you were photographing and who were in your book, did any of them either switch religions or go from being extremely religious to more spiritual or from really spiritual to more religious? Did, did that ever happen that you know of? Yes, um, in a few in a few people, there was one family who uh, they were uh, actually quite incredible. Um, he, they they parents of a young boy who had been diagnosed with a serious uh, bone cancer, and mm-hmm. uh, they told me he, uh, the woman told me she and her husband had never been religious. And when they were in the hospital with their son, he um, at one, one day he began. He said that he was talking with God, and that God was in the room with him. And mm. the mother, well, actually both parents just freaked out because they thought it meant that God was there to take him away. Um, mm-hmm. But. In fact, it was the opposite. Uh, a friend, uh, when they told that to a friend, a friend said, well, maybe God's there to protect him. And mm-hmm. uh, they uh, later, they, I'm just, while we're talking, I'm trying to get the uh, <laughs> quote exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Later, um, the the boy, Robert, asked to go to the chapel because he had heard, I guess he had heard that there was a chapel in the uh, hospital, and when 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 uh, the dad and when the parents took him down to the chapel, he knelt down and said a prayer that um, he hoped he said, "Dear God, please take this cancer away so my my mother, my mommy, won't be crying anymore." And mm-hmm. um, she she after the end of that story, she she just said, you know. Nobody will ever convince me anymore that there's not a God. And she and her husband changed professors, and they became Sunday changed professions, and they became Sunday school teachers. Interesting, isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's yeah. amazing how we connect with that inner guidance and our higher power when we face crisis, and sometimes when we face and have to embrace right. that. Don't right. go away if you're listening. We're going to come right back. We have to take a short break, uh, and then we're going to. I'm going to ask uh, Bill about dreams with the people that he interviewed. So don't go away. We're going to be right back. 
Hey, Jenna, have you seen the TV show Wicked Housewives on Cape Cod on Channel 99? OMG, I love that show. It's with Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. She's an international best-selling author and Lori Boyle, the CEO of Lori Boyle Media. Right. They're hosting a personal development seminar, Retreat for the Soul. It's about your dreams, meditation, healing, and the subconscious mind. Ooh. It sounds fun. And rejuvenating. Let's go. Where do we sign up? Their website, wickedhousewivesoncapecod.com. Did you know that you can use your own radio show to promote your business and become a celebrity in your area or industry? Do you have a great idea for a radio show or a passion that you would like to share with other like-minded people? The Wicked Housewives on Cape Cod Radio and TV hosts Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis and Lori Boyle will show you how. Go to wickedhousewivesoncapecod.com. Do you have a great story to tell or do you want to write your memoir? Best-selling author Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis and Lori Boyle, CEO of Lori Boyle Media, are the hosts of the Wicked Housewives on Cape Cod TV and radio shows. Join their Writer's Workshop Intensive to get writing and get published. Go to wickedhousewivesoncapecod.com. Welcome back, everyone. And if you're just tuning in, we have Bill Aaron with us today who has taken hundreds of amazing pictures of cancer survivors for his book. And we're talking about that right now, and he, he was just explaining or, or sharing with us one of the stories about a little boy who had bone cancer, and he told his mom that God was in the hospital room with him and then asked to go down to the chapel to pray where he, uh, where he prayed to God to have his bone cancer removed so his mother wouldn't cry anymore. So it begs the question, Bill, did it go away? Did the bone cancer go away? Hey, when I met with him, uh, I think it was about two years later, he was in remission. That's uh, oh my goodness, most of that's us, beautiful. As, as you know, most of us are either in remission or out of remission. Um, very few of mm-hmm. us will actually use the term cured um, for yeah. this, this dreaded disease. But one of the things, one of the major points that I wanted to make with the book is that cancer it's not quite a do-over card, but it's sort of like that in that it allows you to create a new beginning with your life, and that's why I called the book New Beginnings. Because um, every one of uh, these survivors, they, they discovered a desire to make their lives mean something, to help others. Um, and for cancer survivors, the time to change is now, to create a better life, to create a life well lived. Um, one of the women, young women in the in the book, Tiffany, uh, told me said the self I came out of cancer with is much better than the self I had when I went in. If all I had to do was lose my hair and a piece of my arm, it was worth it. Um, so <laughs> the, there there is a recognition both of the there a recognition of the fragility of life. Um, they these survivors all knew that they were vulnerable and that was of course foremost in their minds but they also knew Mm -hmm. that they had to get a new beginning um, that they were given a wake-up call that you can't really wait for life to come to you you have to go out and get it and do what you think is right oh that's beautiful i love that And, you know, I always tell people whether, you know, and I believe it's true, but whether it's true or not, I always say I'm cured. You know, cancer is just a really, really horrible cold, 
And once you get over it, if you catch the cold again, does that mean that you're only in remission? And and the cold's back now. It means you caught a different cold. And so you can cure that one too. If you can cure it once, you can cure cure it again and again. Find it, fix it. Yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it. Um, Yeah. there are there are people in the book who had a number of different cancers, and mm-hmm. uh, you know research and treatment is progressing extremely well, and there are lots of new um, lots of new therapeutic modalities that are being developed uh, that can help people. Um, I know uh, um, for. Uh, for my cancer, there's uh, a new immunotherapy that the next time I slip, um, I can uh, apply to get into this immunotherapy trial uh, if it's still a trial, or get mm-hmm. the drug if it's if it comes out of uh, trial and gets approved. So it's important. I think there's there's no disease that someone hasn't recovered from. And you don't know if you're going to be the one, but as mm-hmm. long as as long as you're in the battle, you've got a chance of being that one. So we just have to hang oh. on um, and keep mm-hmm. fighting. And meanwhile, it, I I think when you when you do something good with your life, you feel good. And we don't know, at least clinically, we do not know that whether that feeling of good influences the disease one way or another. But we do know that it makes you feel better about life and about being alive. And that prospect may just help the immune system become a little stronger and defeat the disease. May help. I agree. You know, we instead of just taking life for granted, because we, we never were faced with possibly mm-hmm. losing it before, all of a sudden we embrace it and we see the beauty every day and we mm-hmm. say, you know, we're not ready to let this go. And sometimes we actually come out with our with our purpose. We figure out what our soul purpose is, why we're here. Sure. I tell people sure. all the time, you know, none of us just happened. Even if our parents told us we just happened to, you know, in the backseat of that Ford, we were mm-hmm. accidentally on purpose. There, there are no accidents. And sometimes it takes a crisis like cancer to suddenly get us to focus on why we're really here, why we're going through what we're going through, and what we can learn from it and pass on to others. And I I think that that might be um, a a little bit of what your, your, one of your, uh, um, Mm -hmm. the people in your book was talking about, you know, where you come out of it a better person then when you went in, because you get a, a level of empathy you never could have right. gotten before because there's no way to walk sure. a mile in somebody sure. else's shoes clergy. like that without doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. Clergy clergy have told me, survivors, that um, they have now a certain legitimacy when they visit sick patients, or not patients, sick congregants, um, because mm-hmm. uh, they have a certain legitimacy that they wouldn't otherwise mm-hmm. have because they've been through what these people are going exactly. through. Exactly. Yeah. So did any of these people that you interviewed, did any of them talk about having dreams that might have warned them 
that they were going to go into a crisis, a health crisis, or have dreams that helped them while they were in the crisis? Uh, well, the warning, it's actually interesting. Um, uh, it's a really great point. Not dreams per se, but different circumstances of life. Uh, one woman uh, was camping with some friends and her dog and heard pawing at her stomach and, you know, whimpering the way dogs whimper. And mm-hmm. she thought, oh, that's interesting. And she had, a, she had had a doctor's appointment scheduled, and she mentioned something to the doctor who then did a test and found out she had ovarian cancer, which, mm. by, the, which by the way, is they're now doing research. I mean, this was an oft-repeated story. So they're doing mm-hmm. research now that they think dogs may be able to smell cancer mm-hmm. and that this mm-hmm. is some kind, could be some kind of early warning if the studies pan out. And then mm-hmm. um, the other, the other um, you know, we all have the, the other point you were making about dreams uh, and whether they helped. Uh, I, I have not heard whether they helped about cancer, but I know in my own life, um, you know, you're, you're, we're all from childhood on, we all have certain themes in our dreams and particularly in our nightmares. And I've mm-hmm. always had this nightmare of, you know, not all, always, like over the years, every once in a while it'll surface, um, of being pursued and chased. And it usually ends with, you know, my getting knifed or shot or something like that. And then I wake up. Um, I had this dream once where I was, again, being chased, and there was incredible mechanical sound following me. And I was in this place where there were some pillars, and I was hiding behind a pillar, and this sound kept getting closer and closer. And I thought to myself, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep running. And I reached Mm -hmm. down. There was bodies around, and I took a gun out of somebody's waistband and I aimed it at where the sound was coming and around the corner of one of the pillars came this huge robot and I started shooting at the robot and it eventually just clanged to a halt and I woke up and I've never had that dream since hmm. so well, did you have that dream while you were going through your treatment um, yeah as a matter of fact that's a good point I didn't put the two together um, mm-hmm. I did. I did. It was uh, back in the. It was when I was recovering from surgery, and I assumed mm-hmm. the pain may have brought it on. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, the power of dreams is incredible. There are societies. Oh, yes. There, there are societies that, um, rare that that almost don't distinguish between dreaming reality and waking reality. So mm-hmm. um, usually primitive societies where the the sacred is more prevalent. And um, the the story that I read about was a boy came to his father and said, Father, this tiger keeps chasing me. And the father says, well, you should turn around and face the tiger. And mm-hmm. the parents talk to the, train the children in that way so that the children can exert control over their dreams. And mm-hmm. making um, those that lucid gives dreams them, then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're very much mm-hmm. aware 
of what's going on and the reality that's being depicted. And they can, well, if a problem's bothering them, they can uh, use that to as a as a situation where they can problem solve. You know, mm-hmm. like that's you a know, great idea. Yeah. To, mm-hmm. um, so dreamings are, are extremely powerful, and they mm-hmm. should be uh, exploited. Of course, I know that, and I don't do anything, but we can train ourselves to remember dreams. And people mm-hmm. report that after a time, you can train yourself to become sort of conscious. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can. You, Do you, you can. Have because you had? My, yes, actually, my cancer, well, I found my cancer in my dreams all three times. The doctors kept telling me wow. I was healthy and to go home. So uh, I actually had spirit guides in my dreams that showed up dressed as monks. I have no idea why I had monks. You know, people have these beautiful angels or they have these cute dogs or these these fluffy little kittens. I have a monk coming in, handing me a feather and saying, you go back and you verbally sense with your doctor tomorrow using this feather as if it's a sword to get exploratory surgery. And that's the only thing that found my cancer. But, you know, we're down to our last couple of minutes, Bill. So I really want you to share with our audience how they can get in touch with you and how they can find your book. Okay, thank you. The name of the book is New Beginnings, The Triumphs of 120 Cancer Survivors. It's published by Skyhorse. It's available should be available everywhere, but certainly uh, on the Internet, at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Um, Mm -hmm. My website is www.billaron.com, and Aaron has one A. It's B-I-L-L-A-R-O-N, and there's a contact page if people want to get in touch, and also links about the books to where they can be bought. They can follow me on Twitter at, at Bill Aaron. B-I-L-L-A-R-O-N, and on Facebook at Bill.Aaron1, the number one. Great. Well, thank Thank you you so much for being on the show today, and I hope you'll come back and be on one of my other shows. um, Absolutely. We can can talk about the dreams and the dream side of of healing some more because I think it's so important, and uh, I'd like to go into that a little bit deeper, and we just didn't have the time today. But I do want to thank you. So much okay. for being with us. Well, it and, was a pleasure. Um, Thank for, you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. For those of you listening, I hope you will come and uh, listen to me on Dreams of Unzipped, my other radio show. It airs every Friday at 10, p- 10 a.m. Pacific time, and you can find that on my Facebook page at Kathleen O'Keefe, O-apostrophe K-E-E-F-E, Canavas, because my... my uh, um, my profile page is completely maxed out. It's maxed out a couple of times. And uh, so I am all about dreams and uh, overcoming your crises in life by, by listening to your dreams and following your dreams. So thank you for joining us today. And, again, another thank you to Bill Aaron. And uh, follow me on Twitter as well, Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. And until next Wednesday, Make sure all your dreams come true and live your life to its fullest. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Until next Wednesday. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis Show. If you would like to comment or have an idea for the show or have a question for Kat or one of our guests, 
please visit her on Facebook at Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. This show and previous shows are archived on Blog Talk Radio, accessible from survivingcancerland.com and accessyourinnerguide.com. Join us again next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Until then, have a great week.